Well, welcome to the Hills. If you're watching in person at West Fort Worth or Southlake campuses here at the North Richland Hills campus, or if you're part of the huge online community, here's what I know. 2020 has been perhaps the most difficult year to make worship a priority of any I can remember. And so whether you're watching online or you're in person, you have made a decision. You've been intentional. You have made worshiping God a priority. And so to all of you, wherever you are, I just want to say thank you for being with us this morning. And I believe your decision is going to reap a huge blessing. That's right. And in addition to saying thank you to you, we also want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. I know the holiday may look different for some of us this year. And at the same time, I know that today and this week is going to be good for us. And I don't just mean the holiday Thanksgiving. I actually mean the act of giving thanks is good for us and good for our health. So, Rick, I was reading about this. In 2018, NPR came out with a report about a growing body of research around gratitude in modern psychology. And so, in, in a bunch of these studies, the report actually uh, said that, quote, giving thanks and counting blessings can help people sleep better, lower stress, and improve interpersonal relationships. Isn't that wild? Oh, wait just a second. You're saying that giving thanks helps you sleep better. Yeah. So if I'm preaching and I see people falling asleep, it's not because I'm bored. It's because I have filled it with so much gratitude to God, they cannot help but take a nap. That's what you're saying. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that's a very creative interpretation of people sleeping in your sermons. But okay. I'll give it to you today in the spirit of Thanksgiving. And if you're, if you're watching and, and maybe, maybe you're with us live or, or online and you're not somebody who'd call yourself a Christian, I'm so glad you're with us. One of the things that we love is when uh, science begins to affirm through research what God has been saying since the beginning of time. And so for a long time, God has been calling his people towards the act of thanksgiving. And it turns out it is for our benefit. And that's some of where we're going to be today. Amen. So let's go ahead and start with Psalm 111. What a great call. Praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. And I love this next line. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. Because God is good, he wants to do what is good for us. Yeah. And so he causes us to reflect on the good things he has done. And that's what we're going to do today. Now, I think we're all ready for 2020 to be over. Can I get an amen? Okay? Yes, amen. But when you hear 2020, if you're a longtime member of the Hills, you don't just hear a calendar year, you hear the church vision, the 2020 vision that for 15 years has been the engine that has driven the big goals of this church. And so today, especially in this season, because 2020 is almost over, because they're coming to the end of this huge vision, we thought it would be right to take a moment to reflect, to remember, to do what the text said, to ponder 
and give thanks to God for his good works. Absolutely. And, and at the same time, we recognize, man, in a, in a year like this, we've all, COVID has certainly given me some short-term memory. And so it's hard to think about 2005. That feels like a lifetime ago. But to sort of maybe reorient us in a little bit of an embarrassing way, knowing that a lot's happened since 2005, uh, this, is, this is what I looked like in 2005 as a senior in high school. Wow. Yes, it's been, it's been a while. Some of you feel really old right now, and, uh, and I'm also feeling old because I'm realizing even back then, Rick, I think you have better hair than me now than I had as a senior. Mm-hmm. I had Rick actually hair a little bit, but I wish it had stuck around these 15 years. Not, not quite, but a lot's changed. And when we launched in 2005, when we launched this new vision, God knew already who would be involved who would be celebrating in this moment, many of us who didn't, who weren't aware. And so we asked some of the church planners, some of the missionaries, some of the church staff and church members, where were they in 2005? Listen to some of their answers. In 2005, uh, I was one year into uh, co-owning a manufacturing company in the construction industry. I had just graduated from college and was living in Arkansas and teaching school. When the Hills casted their vision, we were in Panama City, Florida. We were doing youth ministry. I was in my first year of medical school, up, up to my ears in books. I was on a college scholarship playing baseball. I was pursuing a career in professional baseball. I was in Bible college, and it was right around a time where I was taking a week-long class in church planting. Looking back, I can just see God's faithfulness. So 2005 was the setup. I thought I was losing everything, but it was setting me up for what I was about to gain. I gained everything. What is really amazing about God is that He has these things and works far before we ever know decades before it ever comes to fruition. May we read that God can do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And yet, when you live it out and don't just read it, it just kind of blows your mind and it just reaffirms not only how good he is, uh, but how much he loves us. Man, isn't that incredible? How, how many things have changed and how many people, you know, they weren't even realizing they would be part of the story that God has been writing these last 15 years. And so, Rick, I'm curious, what's your answer? Where were you in 2005? Well, I was probably in this room. <laughs> and I probably looked something like this, okay? Okay. Like in a really cool suit. Yeah. And some of you remember, the reason I'm wearing these ridiculous glasses, this is the morning that I announced to our church our 2020 vision, what we would pursue for the next 15 years. And I wore those ridiculous glasses because I was trying to make the point that what we're going to pursue is so huge, you need God's help to even imagine and envision what we're about to do. Wow, I, I'm curious, just show of hands live at our campuses. How many of you remember that day might have actually been in person? So we got a few hands, but there'd be many of us, myself included, that would say, I, I was not around for that. So Rick, give us a little context for the launch of this vision. Okay, I'm gonna do that by starting a corny joke, okay? Two robins are up on a tree, they're hungry, they find some till ground, they start eating a bunch of worms. One says, man, I'm so bloated, I don't even wanna fly back to the nest. The other says, the sun feels so good, let's just sit here and bask in it for a while. They take a nap. A fox came along, ate them both, and said, man, I love Baskin Robbins. So here's the point. Wow. In the early aughts, we were a fine church. We certainly weren't a bad church, but I don't think we could say we were a bold church. And the elders came to me and said, we need 
we need to pursue something bigger and grander. And so the, I was commissioned to go spend time with the Lord, fast and pray, and come back with a vision for our church. And what God impressed upon me during that time of reflection was Acts 1.8. And Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so this was the original vision of Jesus to his disciples. I want you to reach your city. I want you to reach your country. I want you to reach the world. So with that as a template, I came back to the leaders and I said, here's a vision for our church. In, in terms of our city, uh, we want to see 8,000 people gather each week and worship with us. And that was far more than double what we were currently averaging. Yeah. In terms of our country, we want to plant 34 new churches. Now, we had never planted one church. And we want these planters to be of different ethnicities. And then globally, we want to see 1,200 individuals in our church go on a mission trip in the next 15 years. We want to send 100 missionary specialists, people from our church that have a skill set, and they would go live in another country for three months to two years with that skill set. Uh, we want to see our current number of missionaries we support grow from 17 to 27. And we want to help launch a Christian university in East Africa to reach that part of the world. I'm sure some people must have thought, what in the world are you doing? I mean, I remember having conversations with people. That's exciting, but that is so huge. Do you think we can do it? Well, here we are, one month ago before this vision that we launched is fulfilled. Here's where we stand, Taylor. Livingstone International University now exists. Praise God. In East Africa, sure. they've already had four graduating classes, 56 acres of land, the first few buildings accredited by the government of Uganda, a legitimate Christian university this church helped to begin. Our number of missionaries went from 17 to currently 29. We passed our goal. Our number of missionary specialists this last year, we sent our 100th missionary specialist to serve in the world. How about that? Yeah. And then our church plants. We, uh, no, wait, our mission trips. I'm sorry, go back to our mission trips. We wanted to send 1,200 people. We've sent over 1,400 different people on over 2,000 trips in the last 15 years to bless the world. And then finally, we did this year, Taylor. 2006 was our first. This year, we helped launch our 34th church plant. Can we celebrate yeah, that? That's awesome. And then locally, our goal was to see 8,000 people gather and worship with us every week. Now, that many do gather every week, but they do it online if you count those numbers. If you talk in-person attendance, we had one week in Easter two years ago. We had over 8,000 on Wednesday weekend. We got a glimpse of what that's like, but we haven't currently reached the goal of 8,000 in person each week. Man, that's, that's incredible. And just thinking about the last 15 years, and I want to affirm at all of our campuses, some of you are already getting your, your clapping hands warmed up. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for that. But we want to make sure that you see on the marquee of today's message, this is about the story God has written at the Hills Church. 
I, I, I dug into some of our archives and found something that we printed back in 2006 celebrating the 50th anniversary of our church, and it made me appreciate the last 15 years is one chapter in the story God has been writing in our church. And as we talk about this story, we want to reflect on a few themes that God has woven these last 15 years, because not only does it help us appreciate what has happened, but these themes are going to be integral to our future as a church. So if you're taking notes, in the story God's been writing, first and foremost, this has been a story of change. I think you could argue that to follow God means to embrace change. And that that word can bring up a lot of different things, but I'm curious, Rick, when you hear the word change and you think about Vision 2020, what comes to mind? It's just hard to communicate if you weren't here in 2005 how much this church has changed. We've changed in terms of our ethnic makeup uh, to the glory of God. We have changed in terms of our worship styles. We've gone from one campus to being a multi-site church. Uh, We've changed the way we shepherd this church. Uh, We've even changed the name of this church. We worked the Hills Church in 2005. And those are just some of the changes that have happened. Yeah, and, and when, when you talk about that, sometimes people will say, I mean, you know, change is okay, but you shouldn't have change just for change's sake. There's a little bit of a change aversion sometimes in, in church culture. What do you have to say about well, that? Yeah, I don't agree with that because I've read the book of Acts. The church could not have accomplished the mission Jesus gave if she didn't embrace change. I think change is good for a church, at least for three reasons. Number one, I think it makes us more biblical. In other words, when we're going to consider a new way to do something in church, we have to first go to the text and say, is this idea within the revealed will of God? It makes us more biblical. It makes us more missional. Change makes us ask an important question. Are we doing it this way because it's comfortable or because it's fruitful? A church can start a thing and it can be fruitful for a while and after a while it stops bearing fruit. And you have to have a mechanism or a way to ask the question, should we keep doing it this way or should we embrace a change? And then I think most of all, change makes us more mature as a church. Because change makes me ask the question, um, am I okay with church not always going my way? Change makes us lean into the truth that has driven this church. Mission must trump tradition. In fact, I'm often asked, do you have an agenda at your church? And I say, yes, we do. We have an agenda. Our agenda is to win as many as possible, as soon as possible, by all means possible, short of sin, to bring them into the kingdom of God and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And as long as that is the mission, we will always be open to change so that we can see more people know Christ. I love that. And I think a a great example of that would be our South Lake campus. You know, you you may not know this, but when we started this vision, there there wasn't really in mind the idea of multi-sites, and there certainly wasn't really the idea in mind of even having an existing church join the Hills Church. And yet, it was actually the South Lake elders and leadership that looking at what had been happening in their church and some decline they'd experienced over several years, they were willing to pray, to search the scriptures, to reassess and say, we should make a change. And it was actually the Southlake elders that approached leaders at the hills and says, we want to make a change and join the mission happening at the Hills Church. And so live at NRH, live at West Fort Worth, can we give some love to our Southlake family? We're grateful for the change they were willing to make. 
to join what God has been doing at the hills. And you know, that, that change isn't just true of campuses. That's also true of what God's been doing out in the mission field. One example of that would be in the country of Rwanda. And so I want you to hear from Chris Shelby, who was a member of, one, of that team that launched 12 years ago, about the story of change in Rwanda. 12 years ago, we made a change. Our family heard the call to Rwanda along with our team through your generosity and support, we have seen in the last 12 years, hundreds of churches planted in the nation of Rwanda, a, a nation torn by genocide, by hatred, by division. We've seen thousands of disciples made. We have seen the kingdom of God come with street children, with farmers who are able to have better crops, with families that can take care of one another, with communities that were broken. They are reconciled back together again today because of the dream that God put in our church 15 years ago. You had a vision to send missionaries. We were privileged to be a part of that vision. God had a heart to see Rwanda rebuilt and restored. And that's the story that He has written through the life of this church throughout the world. It's because of God and we give Him glory and honor for what He's done. It's because of our Rwandan partners and friends who have faithfully obeyed what God has told them to do. And because of that, because of this vision, Rwanda will forever be different. Amen. Can we Amen. celebrate what God's been doing out all around the world? And not only that, I, I think about all that and realize, Rick, you know, for all the change that's taken place, you really can't have a church family experience that amount of change unless that church is also willing to be part of a story of sacrifice. Amen. You're right. Uh, this vision has been fueled by a spirit of generosity in this church. And I don't just mean money. I mean, people have sacrificed time, vacations to go on the mission trips. They, they've sacrificed and given their gifts. They've given their skills. And they've given up their preferences. They have sacrificed their traditions. And uh, I'll give you an example. So when we launched the Fort Worth, West Fort Worth campus, we have several hundred people willing to go be a part of a new thing. But we didn't have at that time in that community men ready to be elders of that flock. And so here are men at the North Richard Hills campus, uh, elder couples, who said, we will go for several years We'll leave the church that we know. We'll leave the relationships we know. We'll leave the comfort that we know to shepherd that community. It was the Bankuses. It was the Jacobis. It was the Mitchells. It was the Riddles. And they just went for several years, and they went to a different part of town. And that kind of spirit could be told over and over and over that you cannot do a great thing for God if people aren't willing to make hard, even uncomfortable sacrificial investments in something that's bigger than themselves. Absolutely. And that could be true at West Fort Worth of the home team, the group that serves and helps to host services and, and serve in kids ministry and so many others. And so in the spirit of that sacrifice, can we give some love at Southlake and NRH to our West Fort Worth campus for what they have done to spread the mission on the west side of town. It's, it's so awesome. And, and you know, it's not just some who've been called from one campus to another. It's not just some who've been called maybe to go on the mission field to a different country. It's also some who've been called to leave certain career paths or even entire ways of life. And that's true of one of our church planners, Brandon Watts. Listen to Brandon's story of sacrifice. Uh, 2005, I was working in corporate America. Uh, by God's grace, moving up the corporate ladder. Um, 
now, 2020, I am uh, pastoring a church, uh, a church full of young people, uh, and loving what I'm doing now. Uh, your commitment to our church from a resource standpoint, but also from a relationship standpoint, has been really foundational for our church. It's a strong statement, but I don't think our church would be planted here if God didn't use a church like the Hills Church to um, to really commit to just being there for us. So it's, it's, you guys have been a blessing. Um, if I never get to say it, uh, hear me and hear my heart today, I appreciate the Hills Church for you guys' commitment. Man, I, I love hearing Brandon talk about this, leaving the, leaving the corporate ladder and, and, and that kind of career and now moving to, to ministry, but also love that he immediately turned and spoke to our story of sacrifice. Did you notice that? And that's one of the reasons that our harvest offering every single year matters so much. Absolutely. You know, uh, it, it takes a lot of money to do great things for God. I mean, grace is free, ministry is expensive. Yeah. And uh, I remember standing before you in 2005 and just saying, it's going to take a lot of money. I had no idea how much. On top of our tithes and our offerings. And so get this, Taylor. Through, through our Courage campaign and our Greater Things campaign, through our harvest offerings, through uh, those efforts above and beyond our weekly tithes, do you know how much money we've given to the mission? What? Over $60 million. That's incredible. Church, can I say thank you for that? Wow. That, that is the Holy Spirit working through you in order to fund this vision and see what was initially a dream come to reality. But you know, it hasn't just been a story of change, and it hasn't just been a story of sacrifice. The bedrock of the story of our church that God has been writing is that it has been a story of grace. You know, we, we've tried to be a church that creates a culture of grace. And when you think of grace, you typically you often think of forgiveness, and, and there's no question that has been a part of this story. Uh, we pursued something great, and we knew that we, uh, we might fail. See, I don't think the fail is to fail. The fail is not to pursue something great. Yeah. Not every church plant made it. It's very hard to plant a church. Not every mission work was as fruitful as we hoped. We didn't reach the goal of 8,000, but I believe we honored God simply because we pursued things that would honor God. And grace is more than just forgiveness. Grace is empowering. Grace is enabling. Grace is God pouring His strength into us so that we can do the things that we're called to do. There's simply no way you could explain the last 15 years of this church except to say, thank you, God, for your amazing grace. That's right. And, and not only that, I, I, want, I want us to appreciate Hills Church. One of the things that's been so cool is that God's grace has also been woven, not just in empowering us to pursue this vision, but in helping confirm the call of certain church planners and missionaries when they found out what kind of a vision they were getting to be a part of and where they fit in that vision. So in that spirit, I want you to hear from our first and 34th, our last church planters, uh, as they talk about what God's grace has meant to them being part of this vision. Hey, Hills Church, my name is Art McNeese, and I was honored to be the very first church planter sponsored by your 2020 vision. We planted Bridgeway Church here in Flower Mound in 2006, and it's just been the story of God's amazing grace. Because of His grace, we baptized more than 400 people over the course of the last several years. We're also excited about the fact that here locally, we're going to open our brand new children's facility in March of next year. 
None of this would have been possible without you, and of course, most of all, without God's grace. But thank you so very much for letting us play a small part in your massive vision for 2020. My name is Lou Pizzicello. Uh, I'm the pastor of Community Church, and we are in Babylon, New York. So I've heard that we are the final church in the goal that you guys set 15 years ago. It, for me, it's just more of a confirmation to see that God is doing something that is beyond me, beyond us, even beyond, you know, Community Church. We are so, so grateful that you guys set this vision, uh, that you've been faithful to a vision for 15 years. Not just the leadership of the church, but the people in the church who have been supporting that vision. It's been huge. And this is, this is part of the result of it. And so I'm so grateful for it. It means a lot. And praise Amen. God for how Amen. he's worked in Amen. his grace. But you know, the, the, the very best part of the story of God's grace is the individual lives that have been transformed when they have encountered the grace of God. Our favorite stories are those that could be told at every single one of our campuses and at some of our church plants in the mission field of those who finally came to a place where they realized what Jesus had done for them and said, I'm ready to not only receive God's grace, but now live in grace for the rest of my days. And we express that here at the church. That, that's a moment that we call baptism. We love celebrating those moments. And Rick, over the last 15 years, we've done our best to try and keep track of those numbers. I don't think that we got all of them. But where we've landed is that over 15 years, his church, God's story of grace has included 3,757 baptisms. Yeah, and I got some good news, Taylor. Uh, that number is about to grow. So everyone online and the, here at NRH and other campuses, turn your attention to David Meyer. Hey everybody, I just want to introduce you to Martha. Uh, Martha came to our church a little over a year ago because she saw a difference in her brother. And um, you know, for a large part of her life, she was mad at God and realized that that wouldn't really get her very far. And she realized that this isn't who she should be mad at, this is who she should be turning to. And so we had a chance to study uh, earlier this week and walk through the scriptures and did that with her son, Jaden, and just, uh, it was just amazing to see um, your desire, Martha, to turn to the one that before you, you thought was the cause of your problems and you realize that now he wants to change your life completely. So in front of these folks, I want to ask you, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of all of your sins, and he proved that by coming back to life? I do. And today, do you not only want to accept him as your Savior, but submit to him as your Lord for the rest of your life? I do. Well, because of that confession, I'm now going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I did, the thought came to me that when we launched this vision 15 years ago, we knew God was going to raise up people we didn't know yet. That's right. mean, there were people that weren't at this church yet. There were people that weren't in ministry yet. And Taylor, there were people that hadn't made that decision yet. People just like Martha that had not confessed Christ and been baptized yet that have become followers of Christ and helped us reach this vision. That's right. And, and, and it's just so awesome. Even, even in uh, this, this day of social distancing, we've often had to, with shortened services, do baptisms after service. And this was a day where we said, hey, no way. When we found out that somebody was ready to, make, to take that step, we said, we want to celebrate that as a church because we believe God is going to continue to tell that story. And that's why, as we reflect, we also want to say loud and clear, we know, we serve a God who says that this is a story that's far from over. 
that when we talk about this, we know that this is a story far from over, and we are still a church of vision, even as we celebrate this vision coming to a close. I want to say we are ready for the next one. Yeah, and so let's be real clear about something. We haven't had this service today, so you'll leave and say, wow, the Hills is a great church. We've had this service today, so you'll leave and say, wow, the Hills serves a great God. Amen. A great God. And folks, that means he's got more for us to do. So, we'll be announcing and unveiling the new vision shortly. And let me just tell you, if you think the last vision was big and bold, wait till you hear what we're going to do next. Hey, by the way, that leads to my next corny joke. You ready? Oh, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> so, the animals are having a football game. The problem is nobody could stop the rhino. He got the kickoff, ran all the way down, scored. The other team finally got the ball back and scored. And the lion said to the zebra, whatever you do. Do not kick it to the rhino. Well, that's exactly where the ball went. But he only took a few steps and slam. He was thunderously tackled to the ground. And they got off the pile and it was a centipede. (laughs) And the lion said, that's awesome. But where were you on the first kickoff? And he said, I was still putting on my shoes. Okay. (laughs) And here's the point. I don't know which one was better or, or worse. It's very easy for you to sit on the sidelines and hear a story like this and say, that's, that's awesome, and clap. We don't want you on the sidelines. We want you on the field. Yeah. We want you in the game. We want you engaged. And so when we unveil the next vision for our church, I want to tell you there are going to be ways for you at the local level to invest in your time, your talent, and your money, even beyond what we've done the last 15 years. So, so Hills Church, just know... We serve a great God, and we're going to be calling you as a family. We are going to pursue some great things. We are thanking God. We're celebrating what he's done, but we're thanking God because we're anticipating what he's going to do next. Amen. And so in in that spirit, we want to have kind of a response time, but a little bit different than what we would normally do. You know, we, we often have a response that's about a few people who want to come forward and receive prayer today. On all of our campuses, everybody joining us online, our response is to say thank you. And because of how God's wired us, it's going to be good for each one of us. And even if you're watching online, I don't care if you're in a living room, if you're in the car, that you would join us in saying out loud, thank you, God, as we look back through some of the goals and and dreams that God brought to reality in the story of our church. And so for for 34 church plants, we want to say... Thank Thank you, God. God. For 29 missionary families, we want to say, thank thank you, God. God. For over 1,400 sent on mission trips, we want to say, thank Thank you, God. God. For 100 missionary specialists, we say, thank Thank you, God. God. For Livingstone International University, we say, thank Thank you, God. God. And for over 3,758 baptisms, we say, thank Thank you, God. God. Let's thank God right now. Amen. And so this week, as you reflect on how good God has been to you personally, I hope you will say thank you, God, and be very specific. But then I also hope you will say thank you, God, for what he's done in your community of faith. Thank God for what he's done at the hills. Yes. Thank God for what he's going to be doing at the hills. That's our response today. That's how we respond to this message. And so... I want to lead us in a Thanksgiving prayer, and then we're going to sing a Thanksgiving song. But I want you to start the prayer. I want, whether you're uh, on home or online or every campus, I want you to bow your head now. 
I want you to take about 30 seconds. And I want you to thank God very specifically for some way he's blessed you through the Hills Church the last 15 years. so we say thank you God mm -hmm. for every missionary for every church planner for every mission trip for every person that was baptized for every marriage that was restored for every body that was healed yeah. for every bondage that was broken we say, thank you, God. We have seen great things. You have caused us to remember your mighty works. And we say, God, we want to see more. We want to see even more. And so we're offering ourselves to you right now in anticipation of what's next. We say, thank you, God, in Jesus' name, amen.